Hi, and welcome to Access to Justice. I'm your host, Heather Malarek of Merrick Law. My co-host, Evan Clark from Kahane Law, is not joining us today in a rare uh, chain of events outside of his control. So uh, I'm flying solo today, but we are joined today by two very special guests. The first one is Kim McDonald of McDonald Advisory. Kim's a financial advisor and insurance advisor with Raymond James Limited and... Um, She's here as our special guest today. How are you doing, Kim? I have some exciting news to report, Heather. You do? Well, two months ago in June, I reported that I was weeding in my garden and I lost my wedding ring and I couldn't find it. And then a client was going to lend me a metal detector from his engineering firm and somebody yoinked it so I could never get this like tool and I was gonna put a claim in and then last week I was sweeping my back patio even though I lost my ring in the front yard and the wedding ring <laughs> miraculously appeared. No way. <laughs> Two months it was on my patio hiding under dirt and leaves. <laughs> wow. Wow is right. So we are riding high. I'm buying lottery tickets. I'm doing everything I should be doing right now in terms of riding this lucky wave. So uh, today's a good day. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about our guest, uh, our, our very special guest. So without further ado, Heather, I'll let you bring them in. Yeah, I'm so excited too. Um, we're welcoming Damien McGrath, also of Raymond James today. Hi, Damien. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, uh, um, you're here to talk about estate and estate planning a bit today, as well as trusts. Um, I understand that you are a senior trust advisor at Raymond James. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's right. I, I've been uh, uh, a senior trust advisor with Raymond James, so I work with clients on uh, their estate planning. Um, I administer estates. Um, I deal with trusts uh, and often working with clients that are sort of maybe appointing Raymond James as their executor or their trustee and in that capacity. Um, I've been in the trust business for a number of years, uh, previously in private legal practice in Canada. Uh, and then I was originally from the UK, as so you can probably tell from my accent, and uh, previously had a legal practice there. So, yeah. Mm, we were chatting a bit before we started recording. You said you're coming uh, from, you're joining us from Saskatoon today, but I didn't think that was a Saskatoon accent. <laughs> <laughs> my, my cover is blown as soon as I start talking. <laughs> well, we're so glad to have you here. And I already have questions from that brief introduction about uh, the fact that Raymond James could be an executor and or trustee. So um, I, I think we're going to have a really great and informed Informative conversation today. So, um, should we just start with the basics and question number one, which would be, what is a trust? Well, that's that's a really great open question. Thank, thank you. <laughs> too big of a question. <laughs> uh, so a trust is really a, a, a way of holding um, assets for the benefit of another person or others. Um, it's, so it's a it's a really it's a legal relationship. Uh, usually governed by a written document. So that might be a, a sort of a trustee that's drawn up or quite often the terms of a will. So often trusts are reeling into a will. So they don't come into effect until somebody's passed away. Um, and the idea really is to um, not necessarily have a beneficiary have complete ownership or control of the assets within that trust. Uh, so there's an element of control and I suppose protection for those beneficiaries as well. Um, and I suppose that's where the sort of different roles come in when you're looking at who the who the key players are in a trust. Um, generally, we have a, a settler. Um, their job really is just to kind of have their name on the documents to get things started. Um, but the main roles are really the trustee, um, who's really responsible for, I suppose, that administration of that trust and the operation of that trust. And then you have the beneficiaries who can also be the trustees, um, but they are the ones that perhaps have an interest in the assets that are held in that trust. Okay, yeah. Hmm. We were also joking beforehand that I took trusts at law school and know enough to sort of stay away from them. So... <laughs> Um, this is really interesting. So why would 
why would someone be holding property for the benefit of someone else? Like, what are the main situations where trusts um, arise or why people might want one? Yeah, I think I think looking at examples is quite a way of sort of understanding them. So, you know, and there, there are and we can talk about this as well. There, there are trusts that, that you can set up during your lifetime. And often they're about um, some kind of protection or tax planning. Um, but often with the, when we're really thinking about trust, we're talking about what happens when it's written into a will and somebody passes away. So let's say we've got the example of um, somebody passing away or potentially passing away and they've got minor children. Um, you know, those children can't really receive an inheritance because they're too young. So instead of giving it to them in the will, you would place the assets into an into a trust. And then that trust would be there for the benefit of those children until they become adults. So you have somebody looking after that trust and maybe paying out some funds for that trust for education or healthcare or things like that. But then the children don't become um, entitled to the actual assets in that trust, which is often the estate assets um, until they're older. Um, and of course, you can extend that out that it doesn't necessarily need to be minor children. You know, I might not want my 21-year-old inheriting my estate if something happened to me. That might just be a little bit too young. So I might want to have their, that held in some kind of trust until they're 25 or 30 or 35, of course, dependent on the amounts that we might be talking about. And that's really sort of an, an essence of a trust is that, is that someone else is, 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 is looking after it for the benefit of those, um, those beneficiaries. So I think you've maybe busted a myth already or one that I sort of have this preconceived notion about or feel like is out there is that trusts are like for super ultra wealthy folks, right? Like you kind of see it on TV or something or you think of trust fund babies. But um, from what you just said, it sounds like most folks who have young children would probably have a trust set up in their will or or maybe should look at doing that yeah. for their yeah. kids. No, I think I think you're right. You, you know, um, uh, folks with 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 young children will have a will. They probably will have a trust written into their will, even if they don't even realize it's there. Um, you know, and it may be, you know, to age 18 or something like that. And it may be that you're asking, um, you know, when doing with will with young children, you want to be naming guardians, for example, who's going to look after my children if something happens to them. Um, but even if you imagine if you were to pass away and you might have a home, uh, maybe there's some savings, maybe there's some life insurance as well. All of that can add up and you want that to be set aside in a fund for the benefit of the children until they're ready. Um, so yeah, it's, it's often in there. And I suppose the, the, depending on the types of assets and estates you have is how further you go into that trust conversation. And, 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 you know, that might depend a lot on who your beneficiaries are as well. Okay. okay. So to bring that back to the basics a little bit, or to kind of rewind to what an actual trust is, it, it, it sounds like a concept when people are listening to somebody explain what a trust is. But when it actually comes down to the dollars and cents, so if somebody passes away and money goes into a trust, they aren't going into the bank and opening up a, a trust. They're opening up maybe a bank account or an investment account. Would you say that's correct, Damien, just to kind of help people visualize what a trust is? Because I don't think we ever go back that far and explain what an actual, where this money is in this yeah. trust. Yeah. So, so yes, I mean, absolutely. The, 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 the money or funds that are in that trust need to be kept in a separate trust account. Uh, now, that might be a bank level or that might be investment level, depending on, I suppose, how much it is. Um, and strictly speaking, it's the trust that owns those assets. So the trustee doesn't really own them. But, and the beneficiaries don't really own them, but the trust does. It's just the trustees are the one that kind of, um, you know, deal with how those funds are getting used. Hmm. That's, I, I see everybody nodding. I see everybody yes. nodding slowly. Silent, <laughs> nodding, silent nods. Nodding slowly. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a legal concept, um, but its practical applications are, I need somebody to be looking after assets for the benefit of someone else because I don't want them to have them themselves or they can't have them themselves. 
So if I've got a, you know, if I've got a family member or a child who's a beneficiary that might have, let's say they have, they have a disability and, you know, they would not be able to manage their own financial you know, financial arrangements. So if I was to leave them funds in an estate when I passed away, that probably wouldn't be a good idea because one, they might not be able to handle it. Secondly, other people might help them uh, spend it or it could affect um, other government benefits they get, for example, because now they have money and they don't have access to other resources. Um, so, you know, those funds would sit in a trust for the benefit of that person and it's available there for their needs, but they don't own it and it's not less classed as being theirs. So does that fall sort of under that protection goal that you mentioned before? Um, a trust would be there to protect that person um, from um, making decisions that might not be in their overall best interests. Very much so, yes. Okay, oh, interesting. That's very interesting. Um, and then what about, you mentioned another goal, I think, was planning, that that's a purpose or a goal of a trust. So is that different from the protection sort of um, idea? Yeah, I think I think they kind of go hand in hand. You know, the, the sort of, um, you know, the other types of trust that I talked about were, you know, perhaps trusts that are set up, um, you know, during a lifetime. Maybe, um, you know, viewers might have heard like a family trust or an alter ego trust. And, and, and sometimes they're a little bit more tax planning based. Um, but, but if, for example, there's a family business um, and you are sort of structuring that family business to involve children and the next generation and the, the passing of that beneficiary to the next generation. It might be that there's a trust that's set up that allows perhaps, um, you know, some income or some assets to sort of flow to other beneficiaries in that trust, um, you know, to, uh, um, you know, for, for tax planning purposes, but also ultimately for estate and, and planning purposes as well. Um, so, you know, that's definitely a, a, a different part of it. Um, you know, I, I think um, when I tend to come involved, it's a lot more in the estate side of things. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm often, you know, involved in, in let's, let's say there's a trust that somebody's been looking after for somebody for 10 years and they're the trustee. And then they start to get to the point of thinking, well, I'm 75 myself. You know, how, how this is a trust for, for uh, somebody with a disability who's 45 years old. I'm not going to be around here to run this forever. So I need to be thinking about, you know, what the, what that looks like if I'm having somebody else take care of that responsibility. Hmm. So uh, I maybe that brings up some other questions for me then is what what are the powers of a trustee then? So you mentioned before that maybe they're given some power, they can pay some money out for education or for uh, a child to um, have living expenses, but are they able to pass their trustee powers on to someone else? Can they delegate them? Uh, are there important things about that that folks should know? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think that's an important part of what the wording of that of the trust says, either the either how it's written in a will, for example, or it's written in a trust document. Um, often a trustee is given uh, discretion as to how a trust is dispersed out to beneficiaries. Um, and for example, you might have wording in there that says, you know, you can pay out income uh, to beneficiaries or don't pay out income. Um, you know, you can pay out capital, but, um, you know, if there's a beneficiary and they, they want a car, they can have a, a Ford or not a Ferrari and those, those sorts of kind of discussions. Not, not, not that I'm, 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 I'm not, uh, paid by Ford or Ferrari to, to say that <laughs> no product placement going on here, but um, that's, the, that's the sort of, you know, the discretion that a trustee can have. Some trusts are very structured. A certain amount is going to be paid out every month to these beneficiaries and the trustee's job is just to monitor that. Um, but a lot of the time it's quite flexible and probably needs to be flexible because you're planning for something that you can't necessarily foresee might happen in 10 years time. Um, the job of a trustee is, is, is quite a, um, it's quite an onerous one. Um, I think that's often overlooked as to how important that can be. Um, we, we call it a fiduciary duty. So the trustee 
um, has to act purely for the benefit of the beneficiaries in accordance with the trust. So they can't act in their own interests. You know, they, they shouldn't really have a conflict of their interests with the beneficiaries. Um, you know, they need to understand what the trust is about. And I suppose what the purpose of the trust as well is, you know, long-term benefits, short-term benefits. Um, but they still have to make those ongoing decisions. They still need to keep records about what's happening. Let's say I'm running a trust for a child and, you know, it goes until age 30. Um, you know, I don't want them coming back at age 30 and saying, well, what happened to all the money in my trust? You know, you mismanaged it or why did you make payments? So, you know, a trustee has that sort of, um, I suppose, personal liability um, and they're responsible for things like maybe tax filings and, um, you know, uh, um, successor appointments of trustees, for example. That's often, you ask that question, it's often written into a thing that you can appoint someone new, um, but there's often a process to kind of do that. Okay. So typically you'd be looking at the trust. So that written document for the rules on how the trust is going to operate and for the rules that the trustee has to follow. Yes. Yes. Um, this sounds like a pretty, it could be a pretty tough job for a trustee. Can they be paid or are they paid for, for their role as a trustee? They're keeping records and reporting to beneficiaries and filing taxes and probably talking to lawyers and accountants. And Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, they can be trust, they can be paid and they should be paid. Um, often they're paid as a, a sort of based on the uh, on the size of the sort of funds that are involved, sort of a, of a percentage. But you know sometimes it can be fixed amounts. It's often overlooked, right? Often I see trustees that, that don't even mention it, um, or says that they can you know, take a reasonable amount. And, and that's where the sort of difficulties come as a trustee thinking, oh, I've been doing all this work. I, you know, I should get paid for this, but like, am I allowed to get paid for this? Should I get paid for it? How do, who decides how much, mm-hmm. you know, and that can sometimes be a bit of a difficulty as well. Is there a range that like, could you pinpoint a range that you might typically see on, you know, coming from companies that act as trustees or people, uh, people's names in, in wills acting as trustees, you see a range of percentages of the asset? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I would have thought something in the region of, of maybe 1%, but of a variance kind of kind of either way is, is, is not an unreasonable charge. But again, it might depend on how complex the trust is, how many beneficiaries there are, you know, how much is involved, um, you know, as to what that sort of reasonable figure looks like. Hmm. Just thinking out loud as well, it strikes me that it's probably helpful for the trustee to put those compensation parameters in because they're meant to be acting in the best interest of the beneficiary, but then also to be trying to determine what their own reasonable compensation is (laughs) also puts them in a bit of a funny position, I would imagine. So if the trust says you get paid X for doing your work, I, I bet that's probably helpful for those trustees. Yeah, and, and 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 when I'm working with clients, and and sort of they might be appointing the trust company as their as their trustee, for example, then generally, um, you know, we'll be setting out what those kind of fees look like in advance, and having it all written and recorded for that very issue is that you don't want anybody have any concerns with it later on, and 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 everybody knows it's transparent, and and that's important with being a tr- trustee. I think some of the some of the ways that 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 it becomes hard for a trustee is, is, is if, is if they don't really understand what they're supposed to be doing, they don't really understand their, I suppose, their responsibilities, um, you know, as well as kind of not necessarily keeping those proper records, but the communication piece is pretty big, right? So being able to sort of have that ongoing communication with beneficiaries. So they're understanding what's going on is quite important. Mm. I think that kind of leads me into my next question of like, who can be a benef- uh, trustee and why you would choose a particular trustee? Because Kim, I think both you and Damien mentioned a company as a trustee. So maybe, maybe we'll start there. Companies can be trustees. <laughs> <Question> mark. <laughs> um, so, so, um, you know, you've got to factor in, of course, that this is potentially a long-term job as well. You know, running a trust can be for a, for a considerable period of time. Um, you know, you a person can be a trustee, um, and generally the sort of, you know, in their personal capacity, and generally the really other option to that is a, is a trust company. 
Um, so a trust company is, um, you know, a, a particularly uh, federally regulated institution um, that is allowed to um, hold funds for the benefit of others. Mm. Hence the trust. Okay. Um, so, you know, there are there are a number of trust companies. There are uh, trust companies with um, that are attached to some of the banks, like the major banks will often have a trust company. Um, and Raymond James, I think, is one of the is really the only sort of um, non-bank investment um, house that has its own trust company. OK, but you can't just hang out your shingle and say, I'm Heather's trust company. No. <laughs> <laughs> OK, an individual can do it in their personal capacity, um, but you can't just suddenly say, I'm going to start a start up a company that's a trust company. There's there's quite a lot of um, you know licensing regulations and audits and things that have to happen um, in order to get to that position. And, and quite rightly so, because it's a big responsibility. Sure, sure. Yeah, that sounds like it makes sense that that would be highly regulated. Kim, you look like you're wanting to say something. Well, I mean, there's lots on my mind. I'm I'm enjoying your questions, Heather. So I'm kind of just sitting back for the ride. But uh, yeah, lots of things come to mind when talking about um, trusts and setting them up. But something that I've bumped up against a few times in, in my career is people telling me it's not worth my clients putting a trust in place because they're expensive and laborious uh, to put together. Although my experience of having a lawyer draft a trust agreement for me was very easy and simple. So I'm hoping, Damien, you can bust another myth here and tell us what it looks like to put um, a, a simple trust agreement in place. Like what it costs? Is it a bad idea to do it? Is sh when should we do it? What, what's your thoughts on that? I suppose the question might be how much might it cost not to put a trust in place, um, you know, depending on those on those circumstances, you know, the the if we're talking about um, you know part of estate planning, um, you know, which is always something that evolves as you go through life anyway. You know, I might set up a trust for my children now, but by the time they're thirty, I might want to change how I've got that structured. Um, you know, and and I, I sh it shouldn't really be a complicated affair. Um, trusts aren't. Um, you know, too complicated to establish. It's really a case of working out what it is that you're looking to achieve and the protection levels that you're looking to put in. Um, you know, if you're setting up a more complex um, corporation estate freeze with a family trust and and there's lots of funds involved and you're you're having shares help then yeah that can get a lot more complicated and you, you know you know you might have to spend quite some time with accountants and lawyers and and there might be might be dollars involved in the setup of that um but but you know that's that's it's still probably a very valuable exercise to go through, even in those circumstances, because it's not necessarily just the savings that can come out of that from, say, a tax point of view. It really is about the sort of protection and the, and the, the transition of wealth that we're really looking to make sure we're taken care of. Hmm. And do these suckers have a lifespan is the next question. How long can a trust survive? And are there milestones um, for going back and reviewing? That's a really that's a really great question. Um, you know, there are there are trusts that have been around for very long time. You know, we've heard the dynasty trusts and Rockefeller trusts and things like that. You know, they've kind of been going on for for a long time. Um, the key to thinking about a trust, and one thing to bear in mind is that. Um, Every every now and again, so every twenty one years, it it's supposed to make sure the trust needs to really account for um, its tax and its income and its growth. Um, so you know it needs to be, I suppose, restructured sometimes if it's going to go belong that period of time. Um, so if I've got a trust and I'm paying out all of the income, um, you know, I may not have a lot of tax accumulating inside of that trust because I'm paying that income to a beneficiary; uh, they're receiving that income. Income, so that's taxable income to them and they pay it. If I don't pay out the income of a trust, then that's accumulating within the trust. Um, you know, the trust has to pay tax on that as it goes along. But every now and again, if there's growth in the value of the asset, so capital growth as well within that trust, that needs to be accounted for and paid. 
Um, you know, and, and it depends on the nature of the trust. If I've got a trust fund, which has got just lots of cash in it, then I've got lots of cash to be able to deal with those scenarios. If I've got a trust that is just holding a cabin, for example, um, you know, and that cabin grows in value, I'm going to have to think about at some point, how do I pay that, that tax element that might come up in year 21? Where's that money coming from? I don't want to have to sell the cabin to deal with it. Right. Um, and there's different things that happen at different times. And again, that's part of the planning. It may be as you approach that time, the trust is being dispersed, or maybe it still needs to continue because the person who's the beneficiary still needs that protection. They still have that disability or they're still not old enough to receive it. What happens if a beneficiary is not happy about how a trustee is managing their things? What if they want the cabin to be sold or they, you know, they need $20,000 so that they can go to Europe for, <laughs> for this summer <laughs> and they're not happy that the trustee is not releasing that to them? Yeah. And, and, and the... You know, often that's where, you, again, going back to the wording of the trust and seeing what the intentions are in there. Um, you know, if it's discretionary and it really is in the discretion of the trustee, the beneficiaries don't have a huge amount of say as to how the trust is dispersed as long as the trustee is doing all the things that they should be doing. Okay. You know, so long as the trustee, you know, if, for example, I mean, some of the some of the things that kind of, you know, come up where trustees kind of don't do their job properly is not properly following the directions of the trust, right? Deciding they, they're just going to make it up as they go along um, or not filing taxes in return uh, in time or not even, um, you know, potentially making wrong decisions from the point of view of how those funds in a trust are invested. Um, you know, and not being a, a sort of a prudent investor with those. So if those things are happening, um, you know, beneficiaries can, can, you know, raise the issue to say that the trustee is not really doing their job. Um, but if it's just because they want some money and the trustee has said no, that's the point of trust, right? Right. <laughs> um, and, it, and it raises that question, Heather, you know, it raises that sort of, you know, that stress point with 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 the trust is, you know, uh, who that trustee is going to be, you know, because if I'm if I'm deciding to sort of appoint my brother as the trustee of a trust for my children and, you know, it's 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 Uncle Tom that's kind of continuously saying no, you know, that might be a stress relationship between between my children and, and, and that person. And and, you know, sometimes that, you know, having someone independent being involved in those decisions can kind of help that. Right. And you imagine that situation in which you're gone and your uncle might be one of the family members that's still around. You want to put them in that position where they're, mm -hmm. yeah, making those decisions. It's maybe better if they're a family member and in just an uncle role than, um, than saying no to trips to Europe. <laughs> let, let the company say no to that. <laughs> um you mentioned investing. Are trustees governed by rules about investing? I think you mentioned prudent investing, or I can't remember what you, uh, I think you used a different word before, but like, uh, can, can they be directed to either be very conservative or very aggressive in how they manage funds? Yeah, there they used, they used to be a lot more restrictions on what a trustee can, could do. Um, they sort of opened the, 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 the investment uh, uh, um, possibilities for a trustee, um, you know, a number of years ago. And, and really, it's that sort of term of, of, of prudent investor. Um, you know, what, 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 what would a prudent investor do? You know, I'm not going to suddenly, you know, just go and buy uh, one piece of real estate uh, in, in a different country, hoping that all of a sudden the market's going to come up. And that's not really the, trustee's job isn't really to necessarily substantially grow the trust, it's a preservation of the trust. Um, but the trustee's also got to maybe think about what the long-term nature of that is. You know, is the idea of this trust to produce income? So I'm looking more at income type investments, or is the idea for long-term future capital growth? In which case am I looking at that? Normally it's a balance between the two. Uh, uh -huh. 
It sounds, I mean, I guess coming back to that idea that this sounds like it can be a bit of an onerous role. Um, would you recommend someone who is a trustee of, uh, of a trust that they get accounting or legal advice themselves to make sure that they're governing, governing themselves well in that role? Well, I think absolutely. Yeah. I think if you're a trustee, you need to be able to understand what your obligations are legally and what your obligations are as a trustee and, and, you know, getting advice on that. Um, you know, uh, including investment advice on what I'm supposed to do with it is, um, yeah, I think that's really important. Mm. Is there often a lot of dialogue between the person who's making the trust and the trustee? Like, do they have a lot of chats and say, like, this is what we want to do and this is why we're appointing you and we hope that, you know, you support <laughs> these <laughs> kinds of things uh, in the future? Or is there is there a normal or a usual way? Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think generally there isn't really enough conversation that happens. Um, you know, it's just sort of, hey, can I can I name you the trustee? Yeah, sure, no problem. And don't really have those conversations. Um, so yeah, it, uh, that's important, but it doesn't often happen. Mm -hmm. So maybe especially, folks especially in the estate planning, sort of the future estate planning, and those sorts of things. Right in those trusts that we were sort of talking about at the beginning of like yep. if you're per if you're providing for minor children after your death. Kim, you looked like you wanted to say something there. No, I'm just looking at the, my lineup of questions. When you, yeah. when, when you kind of run your course, I'm going to dive in. You get in there. You get in there. Some questions, Kim. Well, so I, I hang out with lawyers a lot. I, everybody knows that. And I kind of have an interesting, uh, I'm lucky because I get to hear, uh, about what happens behind the scenes. And uh, I know that lawyers have specializations just like all other professions out there. And I wonder what type of expertise lawyers need for drafting trusts and how often um, uh, you, Damien, have seen in your career that trusts are drafted really well versus um, maybe not well thought out and the lawyer was maybe specialized in another area of the law, but tried to track you know, tackle this and, and maybe with not as much effectiveness as what was needed. So just looking for your commentary and opinions on this. I, I think the whole the whole world of estate planning and trust planning, because they're really interlinked when you're kind of looking at these two things, uh, has just become a lot more um, complex uh, than, than, it, than it may have been, um, you know, a decade or so ago. Um, there's just a lot more, generally a lot more involved, generally a lot more, you know, wealth transitioning to the next generation, just different ways that we can hold assets and companies and registered assets and non-registered assets and seg funds, all these different things that are available to people. Um, and, and maybe as part of um, sort of you know, the big grand scheme globalization, we're not quite as close as families as we might be, and we might not have so much communication around these sorts of things. So I think estate planning and trust planning has evolved into a lot more of a specialized area than perhaps it used to be. Um, you know, I'm I'm finding lots of lawyers that, that, that I work with too, they specialize in estate and trust planning. And that's really the way their, their, their careers have evolved and that's the way they've done it. You know, rather than, you know, I do, and I think that's the same for all areas of law. You know, I, I think, you know, um, lawyers may sort of specialize in family law or might specialize in real estate law. Um, you know, to try and do all of those is, is challenging, I think, because things move on so fast. Um, so generally speaking, I'd say that that's, um, you know, if you're looking to get some some estate and trust planning, um, you know, working with a lawyer that that's their kind of field and they have a bit of a passion for as well, um, you know, helps. Hmm. Were, were you not a lawyer, Damien? What's this? What's your background? What's yeah, I was. Yes, I, I was. So I was. Uh, I was a lawyer in the UK and I, I did a lot of um, property law litigation. Um, and then I came here, to, came to Canada about 11 years ago um, and did a, a lot more sort of um, corporate and sort of estate planning. Um, and I really sort of started to develop that area a lot more. Um, and then being, of course, being in the trust business, it's, uh, you know, it really does open to your eyes because what I see is the practicalities of dealing with an estate that I like to try and translate to the, the planning that I'm doing in advance because I've seen how some of this stuff comes out. You know, even just like 
personal belongings or you know intentions with you know different types of accounts and things like that or or, or wow i didn't say anything about the dog right you, you know just and so what am i supposed to do with, with, with that now when i'm dealing with an estate when it hasn't been kind of thought? so i suppose the practicalities of, of dealing with that kind of helps with the with the planning um so i and i i think i think lawyers that are sort of you know specializing more in this area are, are kind of also looking at it from that same angle so I'm having sort of a rewind moment of um, maybe uh, like we're talking about estate planning, we're talking about wills and we're talking about trusts. So um, maybe we can rewind a little bit. And Damien, if someone were to come to you, what process are you going through with them to help them plan their estate? Are you drafting the trust? Are you talking to them about their plan and communicating with a lawyer? What What is that process look like? Um so yeah, I mean, in estate estate planning, I think you use that word process. It is right. It's you know going through that estate planning. I, I think you have to, you know, probably start with a bit of an exercise of understanding what assets are involved, um, you know, and how they're held, um, what assets might be joined, what assets might be designated to who, what types of life insurance might there be, um, you know, almost doing a kind of a stock check of like if something were to happen to me today what would be the impact of everything that I have, even to the extent of what would taxes look like in, in dealing with all of that. Um, and then you sort of want to be thinking about, okay, now, if you weren't here, what do you want that transition to, 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 the, to the next beneficiaries to look like? You know, let's talk about the family, let's talk about children, let's maybe talk about charity, um, you know, what you kind of see that legacy is. And then, and then I suppose I then kind of come in and try to bring those two things together, um, you know, and start talking a little bit about a plan, um, you know, as to, as, as to what makes sense. Um, I don't, I don't draft the wills, Heather, in, in, in my role. Um, but I, I, I sort of um, help the clients sort of come up with a, sort of a plan of intentions that, that they can then take to their lawyer or I can assist them in providing that information to their lawyer. Um, but it's for their lawyer to draft the documents and give them the legal advice and give them the accounting advice on it. Mm. But you have that wealth of information and experience from, like you'd mentioned, of seeing them play out and in action um, that you oh, can bring. It's, 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 it's a wonderful role, actually, because, you know, lots, lots of, uh, you know, lots of people don't have a will because they just don't know where to start um, or don't even really want to think about it. And so to be able to sort of have an initial conversation of, OK, this is let's break this down a little bit. Um, you know, it's quite a relief, I think to be able to sort of say well listen i know i've got my affairs in order and i've, I've tried to think of all the sort of potential um you know the potential pitfalls and the potential things that might happen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, from your perspective and from your experience what is the biggest advantage of having an estate plan um or, or biggest advantages if you don't have a will mm -hmm. um, you're, first of all, you're removing the entire element of being able to choose what happens to your to your estate. Right. Um, you know, you are also, you know, making things very difficult for those left behind um, because they now have to go through a process of trying to deal with an estate without a will. Um, you know, which should be very complicated and cause a lot of delays and cause a lot of stress and can be messy. Mm -hmm. um you know so i think it's really important that that everybody has a will um you know even if it's a sort of you know a fairly basic will but it's something that's in place um and then you know if you've got a will it's really important that it's valid of course which is why we always recommend having them drawn by a lawyer um rather than sort of trying to do it yourself or you know get it get it from the internet and home kits and things like that there's too many things that can go wrong right. um and then you you know, want to make sure that will actually says what you want it to say and what you think it says. Um, the next level, I suppose, is now I'm having a will, but I'm taking it to a more of a, a planned will, more of an estate plan that takes into account what might actually happen with my assets and how they're, how they're going to be dealt with. Um, you know, and some examples might be, um, you know, let, let's say I own a, let, let's say I own a piece of farmland jointly with my sister. 
Um, and my thought process is if, if I pass away, my family gets my interest in that farmland. That might not be the case, depending on how the ownership is with my sister. Right. It may be the case that I pass away and she automatically becomes the owner of that piece of land. That's not what I want. Pretty sure that's not what my sister wants as well. So without doing some estate planning and looking at that asset and how it's held, I can't address that. Mm, right. So it's really important to do that inventory and understand what's there to begin with. Because if you miss that piece, then <laughs> when it goes to operate that will, yeah, it could have very unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what are the top re top things you see or reasons that people pursue trusts? I know one sticks out in my head where let's say it's a boomer parent who sees their kid getting married to somebody they don't like and they don't want the inheritance to go evenly uh, amongst the family. I mean, Heather sees that in family law and divorce where inheritances are getting split up because uh, um, they weren't sort of segregated in the right way. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what you see as the top reasons people seek out trust these days. Yeah, I would, I would say, I would say the main, the main trust that I'm looking at, sort of in, in from the estate point of view, is that that children. Uh, sometimes we call it a spend thrift trust, right? Don't want to have the child having all, all the money in one go. Um, that also gives that sort of, I'm worried about matrimonial issues. So therefore that protection element of the trust comes in. Um, and then, and then probably those with dis uh, beneficiaries with disabilities, um, you know, and, and structuring that, um, for their long-term care. Mm. And any type of disability, like let's say, you know, debilitating anxiety, depression kind of disability, or is it more like wheelchair? Is it anything uh, that you're seeing in terms of, of that? Because we're oh, seeing I, lots of mental health issues these days. Yeah. And I'm curious how that plays in. Yeah, no, I can see it both. I, I, you know, you're absolutely both. And, and you know, men, mental health issues is definitely one to be thinking about trust as well. And that goes back to that, you know, if, if um, you know, if a child that was struggling with, with, with certain elements were to receive receive a substantial amount of money in an estate at the same time as trying to deal with the grief of losing a parent, for example, um, you know, then probably not in a position to be able to deal with those funds. And, you know, they might be at risk of other people, um, you know, um, being in their ear or persuading them as to what should happen with that. And it may be that, that you know, it, it sort of goes too quickly or it's dangerous. Um, you know, sometimes I've worked with children that have got, uh, sorry, clients that have children that have, um, you know, addiction issues and things like that. And they know full well um, that they have to, during their lifetime, um, have a bit of control about how funds are released to that child. And so they want to make sure that's that protection when they're gone as well. And if there's multiple kids in a house, would they only have a trust set up for the, the kid who's having issues or, or or do they typically even like every kid gets a trust just to keep the peace? Like what, what would you see in that scenario? Uh, um, that's a really good question. Um, you know, and I, I, I get asked that, you know, in those circumstances, um, you know, the, the, I think it goes back to what's the reason for having trust and what's having the purpose. Um, and, and, and fair doesn't always mean equal or the same. Um, you know, in the considerations I often have in those sorts of conversations is um, often the, the sort of thinking, okay, well, you know, this particular child needs to have a trust and, you know, the other children, they, they can be responsible for it and they can look after it. Um, you know, and that's where I often have the conversation about, you know, having someone more independent or having the trust company involved because that's just a huge responsibility on the siblings, um, not only to have to perhaps be involved in the, in the physical care um, of a sibling, but also have to be in, in charge of this trust as well. I think I know the answer to this probably, but uh, a trustee has to live by the trust and die by the trust, I suppose. So if you had a beneficiary who um, was healthy at the outset of the trust or when it was um, written, but subsequently maybe falls into addiction or mental health problems. Um, does the trustee have any discretion to hold on to that money longer than the trust would require them to? Can they, you know, amend it or change it so that they can continue to protect that person? It comes a little bit back to that question you asked about sort of, you know, what do I see with changes in the way things are drafted and the terminology and things like that? You know, uh -huh. generally speaking, if a trust says, you know, 
you've got to pay out this trust at age 30 and that person reaches that age 30, you have to pay that out, right? You can't really kind of go beyond that. You might have discretion as how it's operated up to that point, but if it's, hey, this trust pays out at age 30, there it is. Um, I'm sometimes now seeing drafts where there is a little bit more um, discretion involved around trustees and maybe, um, you know, allowing them to have flexibility um, you know, around that and, and actually being more quite more specific with terms of trust. Um, you know, I want there to be funds there to, to allow rehabilitation costs. But if, if, if somebody's not engaging, then they don't get anything from this trust, mm. you know, and sort of putting some more guidelines around it. And that's where, you know, I suppose, again, the planning comes in because thinking about the practicalities of how these things are going to operate. Right. Right. So people are sort of anticipating that a little bit more and trying to bake in some terms that expect the unexpected, I guess, in a way, right? And I think a lot of that is because, you know, we've seen the unexpected. Mm-hmm. And, and that now, that's a lot of how all this this evolves and estate planning involves is we've seen it happen. Okay, we want to factor in because that might happen again. History is going to tell us at some point this is going to be a scenario for somebody else. So yeah. what's what's a way of dealing with that? So, yeah, there's, a, there's an evolution that goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see some heartbreaking situations where a trustee would be like, I'm handing you, you know, um, a bunch of money that is not going to be good for you. But if that's what the trust says that they have to do, then that's what they'd have to do. Oh, fascinating. fascinating. Intervivos trust. So these are, there's a intervivos and the testamentary, as I understand, one's uh, put into place while you're living and one jumps into place when you're, you know, donezo. Um, do you keep, do you ever see people setting up trusts? Let's say like, here's a specific example that I actually bump up against quite a bit where parents are, helping their adult children. They need income. They can't make it on their own. They they are typically cutting those checks. And then when they pass away, I think the idea is that they're inherit, you know, the, the estate money will help pay for them going forward, um, whether they qualify for an RDSP or disability tax credits or, or another cool thing. But I'm curious if you've ever seen boomers put trust in place while they're living and have it pre-set up for income distribution so they can see that it works before they pass away. Is that, does that question come up? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it does. I, look, you know, in, intervivus trusts are, are, are different from testamentary trusts and, and often fulfill a different role. Um, you know, often the sort of intervivus trusts are, are more around sort of, um, you know, protection for for the future as opposed to sort of the beneficiaries that i'm going to be thinking about now whereas testamentary trust would be okay i'm not here now i need to make sure i've got that that contingency plan in place um you know the 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 type of trust that you're talking about um you know i'd spend, i suppose if i was involved i'd have be having conversations with that person and saying well why are you doing that um you know what why why setting up a trust now as opposed to just having a decent trust set up in your in your in your will um because of course you know if you establish a trust and you put money into that trust you, you, you there's can be a tax implication of doing that at that point in time Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some types of trust that you can do that can kind of get around that. And, and it might depend on what that assets is, but you know, there, there, there's that consideration. So you might not be setting up a necessarily a trust, um, you know, unless you're sort of, you're better off perhaps looking at things like, well, what's my power of attorney? What's my incapacity planning look like? And how would that get dealt with if I'm still here, but I don't have the capacity to kind of make those decisions. Mm-hmm. I see this a little bit on the investment side when people have uh, topped up RESPs and they're looking for ways to give grandkids um, or kids more money. Uh, They worry about the informal trust, which basically hands the cashola over to the kids at 18 years old, no questions asked. So um, people are quite often asking about what it takes to put a formal trust in place for extra money for the kids, whether it's for um, extra school or a place uh, a deposit on a place in the future or a wedding. 
Um, is that something that you see people setting up quite a bit? On the high I, 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 I see questions around that. And I, and I think, yeah, it, it comes down to sort of what's the, you know, what's involved in the implication of kind of setting it up now. You know, is, is there a, 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 a tax issue or a cost element to doing that setting up? And, and, and does it does it make sense? Um, you know, I usually sort of see, well, if you want to gift it, gift it and they'll and they'll sort of gift it. Um, but you don't need to gift it all. Right. You can gift as time you want. So you're almost controlling your own trust. You're just not establishing a form. Like informal trusts, are, you know, those informal trusts are, you know, good for the sort of, you know, the bank accounts and things. But like you say, at 18, it becomes that it becomes that child um, for clients with, um, you know, uh, more in the wealth space. Um, you know, they I, they do set up things like family trusts, um, which, you know, will, can allow, um, you know, um, funds to come out of that trust, for example, to children, um, you know, without necessarily having a tax implication of trust, of, of the money coming out of that trust. Um, you know, you, you probably have to have a you know, fair amount in there to make that making sense. Um, but when they're setting those up, those people setting up are still the trustees. They're still the ones that are in charge and in control of that. Um, but they should have provisions in that trust that says, and if I can't do it, or if I'm not here, this is how that trust is going to work. A family trust is typically an inter, an example of an inter vivos trust or a trust between living people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what inter vivos means. I think it's among the living, I think. Among the, the living. <laughs> translation. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's um, and and it's sometimes used as a uh, like I said in corporate, you know, within corporations and 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 planning around that and that and again, that's another important part. You know, if you're doing estate planning and you've got active businesses or you've got family businesses or corporations, you know, thinking about your estate planning and how that might transition one day might help you think about how you're structuring your company now and who's having shares and what children might be included in that business, but what children aren't involved in it. So it kind of brings back that whole, um, you know, sort of planning that it's it's suitable for all ages to be thinking about. Um, are there different rules around who gets to see the trust? If you're a beneficiary of the trust, you automatically get a copy of it and are allowed to know how it's managed and distributed? It, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it's they can be pretty private, actually, you know, and sometimes that's why people set up trusts, mm -hmm. um, you know, is, is, is for that for that privacy. Um, yeah, a, a beneficiary and others don't necessarily um, need to be able to see the terms of those trusts. Um, unless, of course, I suppose they're alleging that it's not being properly dealt with, um, you know, and, that, and that's sometimes there. But, you know, again, it comes down to that. What's the purpose of the trust and who's involved in it? And, you know, it, 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 is, is there is there trust issues going in within that trust? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's something I've bumped against uh, a few times anyway, where someone is, a, they know they're a beneficiary of the, of the family trust or they think they might be, but they don't know and they don't know what they're entitled to, if anything. And um, most of the time we get the answer back that it's private and fully discretionary. So... There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was curious. Yeah, I was curious about that. So that would be one of the terms of the trust, perhaps, or it's up to the person who's managing the trust of whether they release that information mm -hmm. or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, 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 the base entitlement to see it isn't really there. Um, you know, whereas whereas a will, for example, is is a public document. Um, you know, once that's probated, it's a public document. So if there's, if there's privacy issues, sometimes I might see, uh, you know, a will say, uh, I'm establishing a trust called the such and such trust in, you know, as per the trust deeds dated such and such. And that trust deed is not necessarily part of that will, but it's kind of hidden away. So, so people don't get and see it. I don't see a lot of that, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I'm sure, I'm sure it happens uh, in, in some places. Mm, interesting. So then that begs the question, should people be talking to their kids about trusts when they're setting them up and how much information is reasonable to disclose? Yeah, um, hard question to ask because it kind of depends on everybody's on, on, on sort of how those levels of communications are. Um, you know, would a, 
um, you know, would a child who doesn't receive their inheritance at age 25 be uh, surprised um, or have a different expectation? Would they be upset that it's being held back until they're age 40? Um, is that really something that you really want to be having conversations with in advance anyway? Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I think, um, you know, when things are put in trust, there's normally a reason for it and families are normally aware of those sorts of reasons. Uh, huh. I've had to sit down with, 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 with beneficiaries sort of state and just sort of talk about why a trust was set up and it's for your own protection and all the different reasons and things and, and have those conversations that could have happened in advance perhaps, but don't always happen. Right. It's difficult, right? If I'm doing my estate planning and I'm, am I, do I tell all my children about everything that I have? You know, when I'm kind of making these decisions, is that really any of their business at this point in time? It might depend. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Conversations, conversations, I think, become more important when you've got, um, you know, a sort of a family business um that, that's being transitioned like who's going to look after stuff who's going to be responsible for it you know how does that work i think more open conversations around that really have to happen um you know when when that sort of scenario is involved i think people are probably a little bit curious about a little bit more curious about your role now that we've kind of gone through trust so people would come to you I, i'm guessing it's typically raymond james clients but can anybody call you up if they're wondering if they should be getting trusts? Uh, um, how does that work? Yeah, Jen, Jen, yeah, I'm I'm working with generally working with clients of, of Raymond James. Um and you know, um they might be clients that are sort of thinking, um, because you've got that sort of trustee and you've got the executor. Um and they and I suppose in a way they're 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 different roles, although they're often the same person when we're talking about a state plan. The executor's job is to deal with all of the estate. So go through that process of looking after estate and dealing with assets and distributions. Um, and that role can turn into being a trustee because it may be a portion of your estate is then flowing into a trust that you've set up in your will. Um, so I'm welcome working with clients that are sort of, um, you know, I realize that being an, being a trustee is a big long-term job, but also being an executor is a horrible job to put on my family and friends. So I want to have, um, I want to have a professional executor and a professional trustee. Um, and then that's where we sort of, you know, tend to have those conversations because to be fair, if you, if you're asking the trust company to deal with an estate, the better it's planned, the, 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 the better it is for us to be able to deal with it. Mm. So where do people find trust companies? Do they have to, I mean, we know that they're affiliated with uh, Raymond James. We know they're affiliated with BMO, RBC, TD, CIBC, uh, National Bank, the big, I mean, the big banks, but where does the average person go if they don't have a trusted advisor? Where do they go to find out if they should be putting a trust in place and getting advice? Well, that, that's that's conversations they'll probably go and have with their with their lawyer, um, you know, to talk about those things, and 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 you know, having conversations with the lawyers often the starting point of this as well. Um, I suppose trust companies tend to operate in the space where there's a, um, you know, a, perhaps a little bit more. Um, you know, wealth involved or or, um, or complexity involved. Um, you know, if you if you have you know, uh, uh, um, you know, bank accounts and things like that and, and don't necessarily have sort of investment advisors that you work with on a regular basis, then you might not need the, the services of a trust company anyway. Um, so, so I think there's a, there's a sort of a, a range, I suppose, where it becomes appropriate. Mm -hmm. At the top, we talked about who could be a trustee and we identified trust companies and people, but sort of going on the logic that lawyers aren't people, but... <laughs> That might be around there. Could you can you appoint your lawyer who's written your will to be the trustee under the trust or some other lawyer, you know, out there in the world? I'm going off TV here where you've got the, you know, the the adult kid who's calling the family lawyer and begging them to release the money. Is that yeah. a scenario that happens? Yeah, yeah. I mean you, you you can do. And there are, you know, there are there are some lawyers who are will happily sort of be appointed as an executor. Um, I think that's less common 
um, now than, than perhaps it might have used to have been. Maybe it's because there's more other options and trust companies and things that can kind of fulfill that role. Um, and, and, uh, and I suppose it's just, again, like, you know, choosing the executor is quite important and you want them to make sure that they, um, you know, have experience of what it means to be in an executor, um, you know, which is different from being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, when I was in private practice, if I was asked to be an executor at that point in time, I, I would say no thanks um you know I, i'm that that's not really i don't want to be in my personal capacity um you know being an executive for for, for an estate um and, and kind of my law society was kind of didn't really like that idea um really uh, and it, it might be different in some provinces but it's not necessarily um you know a really encouraged thing um because you're i suppose maybe holding yourself out to a different standard when you're a lawyer as well um as being an executor um so yeah i do i do see some but generally they might be law firms that really specialize in estate administration and specialize in also sort of operate as executors mm, as opposed okay. to just kind of my normal lawyer i suppose yeah yeah or someone don't pick someone out of the phone book that's probably not right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting so, Kim, what do you have left on your list of questions i only have one left it, it comes down to what a step professional is so we'll see lawyers that you know on linkedin they, they've you know past their step uh, designation and um, they seem to be experts in trust and estate practices. But I'm curious what you think is important for credentials when it comes to talking to, you know, a lawyer or a trust company about, um, you know, how, how good they are at what they do and do they know what they're doing? <laughs> yeah. So, so step is the society of trust and estate planners. It's a, it's a, it's a national and worldwide organization um, I, I'm, I'm a member of, of STEP. Um, and I suppose it's, uh, you know, it's, you, you've either gone through a peer, a process of qualification, um, or you've gone through a process of, um, significant experience to get that, to get that designation. Um, I would say that anybody with a STEP designation is somebody that's, that's, that's got some good experience in estate planning, um, trust planning. Um, it's part of what they do. It's a passion of theirs. Um, you, you know, it, it's not just a rubber stamp. Um, it's a pretty, um, well-respected, um, uh, a classification there. Um, and yeah, you know, if you're, if you're looking at, uh, 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 lawyers and things. I think someone with a, with that sort of designation, um, you know, is, is a good thing. Um, but just because they don't have it doesn't mean that they haven't got 20 years of experience of dealing with the states and dealing with the state planning. So I wouldn't say, oh, they don't have a step designation. They, they you know, they're not dealing with those. Uh, you know, I, I think that would be a little bit foolhardy, but I, I think it does express a certain um, level of commitment um, to this area of law. Mm. So if you don't have any where to start and you're doing a Google search, I think I mentioned a phone book a moment ago, which I just yeah. realized that most listeners, <laughs> especially under a certain age, will be like, what is she talking about? <laughs> if you're doing a Google search, looking for those step credentials would be a good place to start. Anyway. I, I, I think that will give you a good indication that that's an area, that's a field that they that, that particular lawyer deals with, yes. Mm, good question, Kim. Mm-hmm. I'm always um, trying to track down who who's the best. That's where we. That's who we want to go to in life, right? Uh, uh, uh. I think, I think, yeah, you, you, you're right. I mean, you know, I, I think, um, you know, you, you, you discuss these things with people that you, that you trust. Um, you know, I think ideally you'd have, you have relationships around you with people that you feel comfortable with. Um, you know, when you work on recommendations off of, off of that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's really hard just to sort of say, I need a will. Uh, you know, I'm just going to pick a lawyer out of the phone book or, or whatever it is that we're looking for. Um, you know, it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. um you know but but um yeah yeah interesting is there anything else that you think um you know folks should know about this area um that we haven't sort of touched on today I, I think we've covered a lot of ground today. Mm-hmm. We've, 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 we've covered a lot of areas and we've gone quite in depth into the sort of trust. And, and I'm pleased that we've talked about 
um, you know, the importance of thinking about the sort of practicalities and the purpose of a of a trust, and really was really about what we're looking to achieve. I think that's really, um, you know, that's really important. We've talked about states and executives. We've we've, we've covered a lot, and uh, you know, I I, I would encourage anyone listening to this to sort of think about well, what what planning do I have? in place as my plan B or contingency. If I don't have a will, I really ought to think about getting that done. And um, if I do have a will, I ought to kind of have a think about this as if it's sufficient or I should review that. Um, and, you know, if I don't know where to start, you know, who, who do I, who should I contact to start having those conversations? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time clients I've worked with will come through an advisor at Raymond James. The, their clients would have spoken to them about this and said, hey, I'm worried about this. Where do I go? And then I will come in and have those conversations. So that's often the route that I'm getting involved in. Mm. That's excellent advice, I think, Damien. And I think you've shared so much information that's really um, illuminating, I think, <laughs> probably for lots of listeners. So for so those um, that have managed to stay awake throughout the, uh, my conversations. <laughs> Well, I think my takeaways are trusts aren't just for dead people. Mm -hmm. Trusts aren't just for rich people. And if you have a will and you have kids, you probably already have a trust. So, you know, open up your will, take a look at it and see what your what your trust says. <laughs> Kim, do you have any parting thoughts or comments or questions? No, I'm really excited about this topic because, as I mentioned earlier, I can't remember if it was recorded earlier or not, but trusts are are complicated and we need, we we can't be experts as financial advisors we can't be experts in it and not all lawyers are experts in it so it, it is quite valuable to think about this topic because it doesn't come up on a daily basis you don't hear about it on the radio you don't see it on tv very often other than it maybe glorified in some movie about a, a celebrity trust fund baby or something so i think just you know bringing this into conversation and having people think about it is uh is quite valuable and i'm grateful that we've had some time to to talk about all the the ins and outs yeah me too thanks so much for joining us today damien thank you my pleasure Raymond James Trust Canada advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. Clients are encouraged to consult and rely on their own lawyer or qualified tax advisor regarding their specific situation. Any information in this video is general information only and is not nor is it intended to be legal advice. Watching this video does not create a lawyer-client relationship. You should always seek the advice of a lawyer or other qualified professional for advice regarding your individual situation. While we take care to ensure that the information contained in this video is accurate and up-to-date, we make no warranties or representations as to the suitability, completeness, or accuracy of the information contained in this video. Any reliance you place on the information is at your own risk. Kahane Law Office, Merrick Law, Heather Malarick Professional Corporation, Evan Clark Professional Corporation, Evan Clark, Heather Malarick, and any guests will not be responsible nor liable in any way for any content, including but not limited to any errors or omissions in the content, or for any loss or damage of any kind incurred as a result of any content communicated in this video, whether by Evan Clark, Heather Malarick, or by a third party. Kim McDonald is a financial advisor with Raymond James Limited. Information provided is not a solicitation, and although obtained from sources considered reliable, is not guaranteed. The view and opinions contained in this media are those of Kim McDonald, not Raymond James Limited. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, RJFP. Darkness of the Dales, this is not a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund.